Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You're listening to Linux in the Ham Shack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Hello everybody and welcome to episode number 225 of Linux in the Ham Shack. This is our deep dive edition, and tonight we're going to be not deep diving, but rather going into the stratosphere. We're going to be talking about satellite, satellite communications, and using satellite software, specifically gpredict, on Linux. So we're going to dive right into it. But before that, I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. And luckily for me, Bill is going to do a lot of the talking tonight. I, I did actually catch up and uh, did most of the stuff that he's got listed here. And I have used gpredict in the past, and we always demo gpredict at Hamvention and various ham conventions that we go to. Uh, but I actually understand more of it now that we're going to take a really in-depth look at it. So I'll just hand it over to uh, the nerd here, and he can tell us a little bit about tracking satellites. Yeah, so let's uh, remind everybody exactly what gpredict is. And uh, from the website, which is actually a GitHub page, uh, gpredict is a real-time satellite tracking and orbit prediction program for the Linux desktop. It uses SGP4 and SDP4 propagation algorithms together with NORAD two-line element sets, the TLEs. Uh, Some of the core features of gpredict include tracking of large number of satellites, only limited by the physical memory and processing power of the computer. No, you do not want to track the entire sky. It would be a bad idea. Uh, display the tracking data in lists, maps, polar plots, and any combination of these. Uh, have many modules open at the same time, and we'll talk about what those are. Uh, you can use many ground stations, so you can set up multiple locations uh, for your past predictions and tracking. And you can predict upcoming passes, as you know the name says, gpredict. Uh, gpredict can run in real time, simulated real time. You can fast forward time, backwards time. You can do whatever you want with the time. It's uh, It's got a clock on it. Uh, detailed information on both real-time and non-real-time modes. Uh, Doppler tuning of radios via Hamlib and Rig Control D. And also antenna rotator control with Hamlib's Rotator Control D, Rot Control D, or whatever you like to call that. So let's get started with uh, what's available out there. Now we're into the uh, Ubuntu uh, 18.04 LTS release. Well, before you talk about the software, maybe you should tell people why they want to use it. Oh, because it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> In a more, uh, yeah, less subjective way. Oh, less subjective way. Well, it's a great GUI for tracking satellites and also being able to tune your rig uh, for the transponders on the various amateur radio satellites. And since we're an amateur radio podcast, that's really the only part we care about. But you can also track all other kinds of satellites, too, if you have an interest in space or, uh, you know, just interest in all the flying junk that's trackable out there in the uh, stratosphere. And uh, 
and yeah, it looks beautiful. It uh, runs very well on uh, any modern, uh, you know, system capable of GTK. So it should run fine and build fine on almost any environment with, uh, you know, little to, to no help. You know, there's all kinds of packaging for uh, Arch users and uh, Debian and, of course, uh, Fedora and uh, Red Hat users, probably Susie as well. Um, but those guys out there on, uh, gee, I don't even remember what it's called anymore. The emerge build. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are screwed. No, until that guy, uh, until <laughs> our, uh, our friend there, uh, uh, comes up with a repository for ham radio, uh, e-builds. Um, but no, it's a, it's a great application. It, uh, comes in the ham radio pure blend as well. So you'll have it available if you install that on any of the Debian based systems. And, uh, it makes it real easy, I think to uh, do some really amateurish stuff, like simply just tracking satellites and passes. Like you want to look for passes that are possibly even visible and stuff like that. Although I think there are probably better visible tracking applications that you can get on your phone and stuff like that make more sense because you're out in the field and stuff like that. But uh, this is a great application for, uh, you know, being on a laptop and uh, controlling your station while you're trying to uh, operate, uh, you know, satellites uh, for amateur radio purposes. Did that cover it? Or? <laughs> yes, I think you covered it quite well. Although Don wants to know if you can track the moon with it. Um, I think you can. <laughs> I don't know for sure. I'm not going to answer that, but I think you can. Because <laughs> you have TLEs for the moon. So you can track anything with TLEs. Yeah, anything with two-line element data. Um, what There's a specific site that comes by default, and I think that's uh, NASA that provides the TLE data by default, but there's a configuration option in GPredict that allows you to put any website that contains TLE data in it. And as long as you can import it into GPredict, it can track it. Yeah, and we're going to get to that in uh, a little bit more detail because there's uh, one that we were given to by uh, one of our uh, listeners here in the chat room, PE4KH, right? Yep, Koos Vandenhoot. Yeah, he uh, passed us one that... Uh, for satellites that are uh, near military uh, satellites that they uh, generally do not publish publicly, uh, well, at least not easily available uh, TLEs for. Um, but we'll, we'll get to that in a few minutes. And they actually have a few more than just, uh, they have the NORAD elements by default and also AMSATS elements. The dark sky. The dark sky. Yeah. <laughs> so let's uh, let's talk about versions here. Um, I'm uh, Maybe you can keep up the chat room. I keep hearing beeps and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I keep getting distracted. Wanted to look at the chat room. Well, Eric um, uh, KN4IIY disappeared. Said he had to go, so he's gone. Okay, we bored him already. Uh, he's that's out of right. here. And we and we bored too Gene much of too. the generalization of it. Okay. Yep. So let's start with the version. So the repo version right now for 1804 LTS is sitting at 2.04. However, you can install the PPA, which I do recommend, and we have the instructions to install it in the uh, show notes tonight. As well as you can, uh, you can you can quickly Google them up for yourselves. It's not that, not that secret to do. And with that, you can install the latest version, which is the two point two point one, and uh, it runs beautifully on uh, on uh, LTS. Uh, I'm running the uh, the LHS version one Mate edition here on eighteen oh four LTS, and uh, it uh, installed perfectly without any issues and runs nicely. So we're going to talk about getting this thing set up just out of the out of the box here uh, when you first get it it's going to come up and it's going to show you uh, one little tab on the interface and that one little tab will have a beautiful map of the world and several satellites that are already selected on it uh, just some generic ones that most amateurs would like 
uh, and it has a polar plot. And that polar plot, uh, if you're familiar with satellites and tracking them, the polar plot gives you the horizontal and the direction, or I'm sorry, the, the azimuth and the direction of the pass. So you'll see how high the satellite will be by how close it is to the center of the polar plot. So imagine a target, if you will, a target, and the bullseye is straight above your house. And then you have the compass points all around you. And the further away the satellite is on the polar path, uh, the lower it is in elevation around your house. So I think that that probably explains that. Yes. Are, you going, to the, to, are you going to explain uh, elevation, azimuth, right ascension, declination, all that stuff? No, I don't think so. I think uh, <laughs> if, if you're interested in that stuff and understanding more about that stuff, that's really not what we're going to go over. We're going to go over the application itself and sort of just kind of breeze over some of the the more gobbledygook. If you want to learn about those individual pieces, you know, go to amsat.org, uh, <laughs> go to a multitude of websites that provide information on how satellites work, Doppler effect works and everything else like that. Um, and, you know, get yourself familiar with all the, uh, all the, the detailed information this thing actually throws at you. And this thing throws out a lot of information at you. Um, some of it's useful for an amateur radio uh, person, you know, like signal loss and delay and, and stuff like that. Um, and of course, azimuth and elevation, you know, which direction and how far up it is. But beyond that, I think uh, it's probably a bit much. <laughs> Those are the important things, though, really. In fact, the, the real important piece of data is elevation, because how high yes. the satellite is from the horizon gives you your chance at making communication with it, because the higher it is, the better chance you have. If you, you know, if there's a six degree pass, that means the satellite is barely above the horizon and your chances of actually communicating with it are very small. So you're just looking for high elevation, basically. Exactly. And, you know, depending upon your terrain, uh, you might also have like obstacles in the way of your antennas and stuff like that. So all that stuff has to be taken into consideration. You know, like if the satellites coming from the north in my house, uh, you know, unless it's over 45 degrees, I'm not even uh, waking up. So so anyway, let's let's get back to the uh, to the install. So once you have it installed, and I did want to mention, I don't know if anybody just noticed this lately, with when you add an app, uh, a PPA repository uh, to your system, now it automatically does the uh, the uh, apt update. I don't know if you've noticed this, but <laughs> it's a great feature because you never have to do that anymore. You can just go ahead and do your upgrade or your app to get it, you know, apt install uh, gpredict and stuff like that after you add a PPA. Um, just something that I noticed the new behavior. If, well, uh, I still you, don't use Ubuntu, so I have not seen that behavior. Oh, uh, you just haven't seen the light. I have not, not yet. <laughs> not yet. Still living All in the right, dark so, ages. <laughs> yeah, so uh, the default layout in most cases will work fine for you. You can customize that, and we'll go over that in a few minutes. But we're going to go over just basically going through the uh, the quick configuration and setup of how you should get this thing uh, set up to work for you at home. Um, so the first thing you'll do is you'll go into uh, Edit and Preferences, which brings up a, a pretty simple dialog. That allows you to, you know, set up the application, set up your interfaces, mess around with your modules, and everything else like that. So we're going to look at the general tab, and the general tab has a has a couple tabs on it. It's a number formats. You can just ignore this unless you want everything in UTC time. Then there's a nice little checkbox there. Or if you, uh, I don't know, live on the other side of the equator and want to flip around your north, south, east, west, or do something crazy. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever you want to do that uh, works for you. There are some other options there to flip buttons and do like imperial units instead of metric. So uh, I, I normally don't mess with any of that. The ground station is really the big one you want to you fix. If you're going to have this working from your house, which uh, initially I would assume that 
you're going to have this working at, at your house location just so you can play with it. So you can actually edit that very first one that comes in there. It's uh, called Sample by default. And uh, when you edit it, it has a pretty simple interface. You just type a name, like I put in my call sign is my name. Uh, home QTH is my description and location. They actually have a cool little select box here. If you select it, you can actually dial down to your location by state and city. And unless you live in you know the middle of nowhere, uh, your city is most likely listed here. Let me look for some obscure cities in Montana. Yeah, like they have all the big ones that probably have, let's say, I'd say about like 8,000 people plus in it. So unless you're in a smaller town, it most likely is there. Otherwise, you can just put in the lat lawn here, or you can also pop in the locator. And then you can also put your ASL if you uh, happen to have that and it didn't autofill from your city location. Mine, when I put in the Billings, uh, Montana, it actually selects the airport. So everything is based upon the uh, the airport's location and altitude. So once you have that set, you just hit OK. And then we're going to go over to the TLE updates. And this is where you can actually have it set to auto-update your TLEs. And it will do that automatically by notifying you by default every week. So uh, if you want it to automatically just update it in the background, you can go ahead and check that box. If you don't want Big Brother doing updates behind your back, then uh, you know don't. Just let it notify you. If you want it to update every time you get on there, you can just say, you know, daily. Every time you you boot the application, pretty much it's going to go ahead and look for it. Now, down there at the bottom there has those TLE sources. And uh, let's just remember the TLE is those two-line element sets. And that, that's just basically a text file. It's a data format encoding a list of orbital elements of an Earth-orbiting object, you know, a satellite. And it gives a, give a, gives a, a where it is at a given point in time and, and the epoch time. So uh, it, it puts those together and then you can calculate everything else where it is going to be in, in the sky at any time. Um, so the default ones here are great. Uh, like I said, uh, uh, Coos passed us uh, that other one and uh, we put that in the show notes as well. And uh, that added like 42 satellites extra to my uh, satellite database list. And they also have a checkbox there that says add new satellites to local database. So as satellites are added or moved in the list and stuff like that, or maybe even the names are changed, this will go ahead and ensure that your list is up to date inside of your application. Had to take a breath there. <laughs> it's like running out of air, running out of air. Yes, I feel the same way when it's one that I have to do all the talking on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, message logs is that next tab. I just, I don't do anything with it. So uh, if you wanted to maintain your logs at a higher level of warning or if you're having some issues, uh, generally, I don't think it would be with the application, but whatever, there's, they're there. Um, I don't really mess with it. So the next setup is uh, the modules, and this gives you a, a, the ability to change how the layout is of modules and how they are default set. And so if you go in there, you can see in the very first tab is a layout tab, and the default selection is a world map, polar map, and a, a single satellite view. But if you uh, drop that drop down down, you can just do the map. You can do just a table, a map and a table. You can, you know, set up for a very wide screen. Like if you're going to have this maximized on your you know, 1080p screen, you can go ahead and put the map, table, polar, and the and the wide stuff on there. Or you can customize it however you want, which is really cool. Um, I just leave it default. It doesn't really bother me in the, the way it is. Uh, obviously, it gives you some window placement uh, settings there as well on that tab. I don't really mess with that. Refresh rates, you don't really have to mess with, you know, if you want it, excuse me, if you want it to update more often, uh, less often, what have you, that's available at your, at your fingertips. Uh, inside the list view, they have uh, options to show um, 
if you want different information in the uh, in the exports. So like you can do past predictions and inside the list of the past predictions comes these fields. And if you're looking for more specific information, like, you know, you want the next AOS, next LOS, you know, next acquisition of signal, next loss of signal, um, anything specific, lat lawn, uh, what have you, uh, you can go ahead and set that up. So it's visible in your list when you, uh, generate those. And I believe you can print those, uh, when you generate them, if you want to, you know, kill a tree or something like that, after all, it is a renewable resource. Um, the map view, (laughs) (laughs) the map view, uh, allows you to change the actual background map. So if you want uh, a different map, maybe, uh, you know, one from, uh, oh, I don't know, one that has more snow covering the earth. You can select one that, you know, is more snowy looking and, and, uh, you can add some extra colors and everything else. It's, it's very considerable. They don't worry so much about global warming. No, <laughs> I, I just get the ones completely bare of no water and everything else. So I have to. <laughs> no, so you can pick anyone. It doesn't really matter. Uh, it's all your personal preference. Uh, the polar view again is just if you're switching your orientation. Like, uh, I, you know, I guess really if you're sitting, if you're not sitting north in your station or something like that, and you you want to visualize where the satellite is in reference to your your desk. So let's say I'm facing south and I want south to be at the top of my screen because I, I know that's in front of me and, you know, north behind me. You can do that, whatever. I think that's confusing. <laughs> I'd rather keep north on where north should be on the display and then I can calculate where I'm pointing later. Um, so uh, so that's there for you as well. Uh, the single sat view tab gives you, again, more information. This is also an opportunity for you to turn off some of that stuff that you really don't care about. Um, uh, slant range, range rate, stuff like that. You know, stuff that doesn't make any sense for uh, for you if you're you're not really paying attention to that. If you only need ele- uh, you know, azimuth elevation, signal loss, and stuff like that. Uh, the interfaces. This is where you're going to set your rigs up. Um, the rigs can be run by Hamlib, of course, and you can uh, run. Uh, they have some setups here for some basic ones. Let me just look what we got. You can just run Hamlib straight to uh, Rig Control D, so you can set it up to go to. Uh, um, sorry, brain fart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you can set it up to. You can name it uh, like mine right now. I have uh, two fake rigs on there because I was testing a an RX only and a TX only rig, which would be the way my stuff is set up here. Um, but you might have a rig that can do you know both setups. So they have like a radio type uh, uh, setups here in their drop down. And the options for a radio type is a receive only, a transmit only, a simplex transmitter, or a duplex transmitter. As well, they also have the FT8178578897 in auto mode. And basically, that means it'll maintain your split, your VFO split, A and B, in the two different bands. Now, mind you, in those radios, when you're using one of them, you you can't hear yourself. You know, it is definitely blocking the other one because it's it's just running in split mode. So, so that's something to be aware of. A lot of operators will run two eight one sevens out in the field, so they can have, so they can hear themselves, and they'll just run them independently of each other. And uh, they also have an option for uh, the manual mode as well for those rigs. Uh, PTT status again: read PTT, DCD. This is just you know standard setups. Once you get a rig set up, uh, they also have the VF up, VOFO up down settings, and this is where you have it set up if you have a. A main band is your uplink and subband as your downlink or vice versa, or you're doing an A-B split. If you have a separate receive and transmit rig, this is not applicable. 
So in my case, I just have it not applicable. And then if there's any uh, adjustment you need to make for a local oscillator down or up, you can go ahead and put that in there. And uh, that's for any up converters you have. And then uh, signaling, you can uh, have it uh, enable AOS, so acquisition of signal signaling for the radio, and uh, also enable loss of signal signaling for this radio. And I'm, I'm not sure what those two things are. I didn't look those up. I don't have those enabled on my uh, on my fake rig interfaces here. And that's it for the rigs, uh, the rotators, uh, which you should have one or possibly two. You could have separate azimuth and elevation rotors. I believe there's some issues with doing that separately. Hopefully you have a, a, a together control. I believe the, the sat nogs have a, have a kit too that you can get for building your own azimuth uh, elevation rotor. I think I've heard about that. I think somebody was mentioning that chat room too. Was that true? Are you awake over there? <laughs> I am. I was actually looking to see if someone had posted something about that. Yeah, somebody said sat dogs. I, I thought it was about the rotator. Oh, you can look at that and come back at me. Okay. So, so yeah. So the fake. Uh, so I have my fake rotor set up here again. I had set up uh, a dummy uh, rotator on rig or rot control D, and just set up localhost port and standard azimuth type zero one eighty three sixty. Um, you might have one that you have set up. Yeah, where it's in the middle, so it has to come back around to get, uh, you know, three, you know, one versus 360. So, uh, but they have different settings and then they also have adjustments and stuff like that. So you can set your start and stop positions, max elevation. If you have uh, any kind of issues, like you can't go 90 degrees or what have you with your, your various setup. So once you have that set up, you have your rotator connected, you have your radio connected. Then the next thing you have in the setup is... The G predict itself, or sorry, the predictions itself, and this is kind of this is kind of good because uh, again, if your location dictates a certain elevation or like your setup, you know, you know, uh, I can't I can't hit any satellites below twenty degrees of elevation. You can go ahead and set that up as your pass conditions, so you only look at future passes that are going to be even compatible for your station. You know, if the bird isn't going to come over, you know, twenty degrees over the horizon. You know, you don't care about it, right? It's not a, it's not a true pass for you, so you're not really going to get a signal from it. From it, so you can uh, you can go ahead and set that here in your pass conditions. You can set up the minimum elevation. You can set up uh, how many passes you want to predict in the future, and you can also set up how many days in the future they should occur. So uh, the next thing is the pass details: how close to the time uh, we'll try to predict, and how many entries. So yeah, so yeah, you can do how many entries so to keep the number of rows and the detailed prediction within this limit, and then the twilight threshold. So these are for visible passes, and you can uh, set this up to do for real time as well. So you know if you only want to look at again passes that are above ten degrees, above twenty degrees, whatever, you can also apply these characteristics to your normal setup, so your real time display. So you don't see that, oh, your next acquisition signal on uh, SO50 is in an hour. You know, it's like, oh, no, that's a bad pass for me. It really, I don't have it for the next, you know, 15 hours. So, that you know, that's something to think about. If you're going to go ahead and set those kind of minimum criteria, you might as well apply them to your real time. So you, you don't really bother trying to work on real time <laughs> either. Um, the next one is multiple passes. Uh, again, these are just settings to to allow you to see those uh, passes, uh, like acquisition of signal and what what do you want to see on those. Um, single pass, they have the same setup. You can you know add more information. You want the footprint. You want the altitude. 
another cool thing is uh, the Sky at a Glance. The Sky at a Glance is kind of a graphical display that you can do um, real quick from the main UI, and we'll, we'll go over that in a minute as well. Uh, but it basically gives you like a graphical presentation of where these next passes are going to occur within a certain time. And uh, I believe someone was asking for the big list. And I'm not sure what the maximum number is here. So the maximum number is 24 hours you can put in there. So you can see the passes that are in the next 24 hours inside of that. So once you have all that set up, you can go ahead and uh, close it. Now, what I did notice is that my uh, default module that was loaded here on the screen didn't update my home and stuff like that. And I believe all you have to do is just uh, close the module and reopen it. And I'm just going to do that now. While you're doing that, Don, Don KB2YSI was the one who posted the thing about Satnogs. And that link will be in the show notes. And the first link on the, the site he posted contains a build for a 3D printed um, rotator control controller. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, rotator control. And for the other Don, you don't need a dummy controller for for uh, the rotator. I'm just explaining how I set it up here. And if you're going to use rotator control, you would plug it into like a real rotator control via Satnog. Satnog's one, a Yezu one, or whatever one. You might even have one made with an Arduino and stuff like that. Um, you don't have to use a rotor control. You don't even have to use rig control. Uh, that's the really nice part about this. It doesn't matter. Uh, you know, this the rig control helps you control your rigs. You know, it's just like any any other automation project uh, product for ham radio where you want to use rig interfacing. Uh, same thing with a rotator, right? You know, it's it, you can still press the buttons yourself, but if you have the ability to automate that and have it rotate and aim it at the satellite the whole time so you don't have to do it, uh, that's a great convenience. Um, but these are just some of the features that you can enable. And uh, like I said, I just set up dummy ones because uh, I don't have all that gear here. All my stuff is manual, 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 manual. So I would I would not be able to use any of this stuff myself. So anyway, let's get back uh we got our application open, and we have reopened the module just to make sure that it is showing that the location is our house now. And uh, we want to go ahead and update our TLEs. So our TLEs get updated uh, by hitting the edit button and update TLE data from network. And uh, this just takes a, a few seconds to run unless you're on dial-up or you know, maybe in Missouri on DSL. <laughs> hey, <laughs> uh, let's, let's not be distant. Well, yeah, let's go ahead and diss on it all you want. <laughs> so it should show uh, it should show you the list. Uh, you know how many satellites were updated, satellites skipped, missing satellites. If you have satellites in your list, you know some of these TLEs are are not active anymore, but they might still be in the master list inside of GPredict. And also tell you how many new satellites were added to your uh, to your setup. So you should see kind of numbers changing unless you've already done this step. Uh, or the TLEs haven't changed. Um, so right now, I'm showing like 815 skipped and uh, 254 missing. So roughly, I probably have, what is that, uh, 550 or so, 550 or so uh, satellites in here with that. The next thing you want to do after that is uh, update your transponder data. And what this is going to do is grab the JSON for all the transponders that are reported, like, uh, you know, is it a FM transceiver bird? where you can use, like, SO50 uses uh, an FM repeater setup, or is it a, a transponder, or is it a linear inverted transponder, uh, so on and so forth. That'll help you when you get to the rig control part and want to see what frequency you should be on. And, yeah, that just it makes it easier because it already downloads all that information for you, so you don't have to even bother with it. 
So once you have all that updated, uh, there is one more option there. Should you have a uh, TLA, TL, yeah, a TLE for a satellite that uh, didn't get added, but you happen to have the KEPS for or the TLE file, you can also update uh, the TLE data from a local file. So you can manually import a TLE from a text file and it'll go ahead and add it to the system. And you, you normally have to do this sometimes with brand new satellites where they have some initial uh, telemetry data and they're not ready to like, you know, call it permanent yet, but you want to start tracking it and, uh, you know, try to you know, run the telemetry uh, uh, listener applications that they have, like the Fox one had those that telemetry application and stuff to uh, fine tune all the, t- the TLE data. And uh, yeah, so you, you can do that there. So it makes it easy so you can add more uh, satellites to the list. So when you get to your, uh, your uh, let's see here, I'm going to do it on the other stuff. Okay, that looks pretty good. Okay, so uh, I'm just going to select a satellite that they've already got listed here. Um, just uh, for an example, I'm looking at AO85, and it's uh, it's nowhere near my house. <laughs> it's out <laughs> over the Indian Ocean somewhere. And uh, there's a little drop down. So if you go down to the bottom where you see the AO85 and the uh, little satellite box, if you haven't changed it, it's still the one on the bottom right. There's a little drop down arrow right there. And that drop-down arrow re- uh, reveals the other satellites that happen to be in your module and also shows you the ability to show the next pass or future passes. So if you just happen to click the future passes, and if you made any changes, you'll notice those changes are in this list, you'll see the next passes. And as you can see, we, go, we should still have 10 unless you've changed that number. And if you've had any elevation changes or whatever, then, of course, your number is going to be a little different than mine. Um well, if you still have 10, you'll still have 10, so it doesn't matter. And, yeah, you can either print or save this to a file. So if you want to take this with you or, you know, you know, print it up and make wallpaper out of it, you can do that easily from this uh, this particular feature of the application. And you can switch to any other satellite if you just want to view the details for that one. And if you uh, go up in your little map and you click a satellite, you can also hover over it, and it kind of gives you some information as well like the Latin lawn, azimuth, elevation, and acquisition of signal. So you can do that as well up there. And let's see, is there anything else here we can look at? Not really. So I think we should probably look at modules themselves. So if you look at the the top of the screen, right above the map, there's the uh, date and time kind of scrolling across there. And over to the right next to the X, which closes the module, there's a little drop-down arrow, which gives you module options and shortcuts. Uh, you can, uh, detach the module basically becoming its own little, you know, dialogue based application. Uh, you can full screen it and you can auto track, you can, uh, select a certain satellite. You can press that sky at a glance button. And if you do that, you'll get a pretty little, pretty little graph of the next, uh, you know, so many hours. If you left yours at eight, you'll just see the next eight hours. Mine, I see 24 hours and you'll see all the passes of the satellites uh in a graphical representation over the uh the next bit of time frame there so it's kind of a a neat little snapshot little graphical snapshot that you can see and let's see what else do we have in here so this is also where you can do your time controller so the time controller if you open that up uh you can see it's uh, set at real time if you're opening it up right now uh if you open it up later it might still say real time but uh you can go ahead and change like what time you want it to show a particular day in the past or the future. Then you can reset it back to real time. It'll go ahead and do all of that for you. So that's kind of a, kind of a neat thing. Um, let's see here, the radio control. So if you set up rig control, 
this is where you're going to find that radio information. And even if you didn't set up radio control, I believe it'll still pop up for you. You just won't be able to actually engage any, uh, uh, any radios. But I believe you can still track the frequencies that you can, you can use based upon the transponder and the, the uh, actual uh, um, satellite. So it gives you on the, uh, on, the, uh, on the dialogue that pops up on the left side, you'll see you have a downlink frequency. You'll have an uplink frequency on the right. You'll see a Doppler uh, offset below it. And on the left side, down on the bottom, you'll have the target, which is basically which, re- which satellite you're using. So you can say, you know, AO85 uh, or SO50. And in the bottom, below the, the actual satellite itself, you can actually change to see which mode that you want to look at. So if you're looking for like the FM voice or the PEO sat voice on SO50, it's there. Um, the frequency drift downlinks, uh, the ISS, if you're looking for the packet voice, the imaging all the various frequencies they have listed there. Uh, it's pretty cool because it kind of has all that information. That's why we downloaded that transponder information. And this is also if you wanted to start tracking it, meaning it'll actually start controlling those rigs or controlling the frequency where those rigs should be. Once you select your uh, your 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 satellite and your, your target mode, so like the uh, FM voice or whatever, you can press the track button and it'll actually start adjusting the frequency if it's actually in acquisition of signal. So you can't really uh, do it while it's not in acquisition of signal. There's no sense changing the frequency then. And then once you uh, have that, if you happen to set up your rigs, uh, you can actually set up your uh, devices there and you can click engage and it'll start tuning your rigs to where they should be. And if you do it with some dummy interfaces or if you have the real thing, it's pretty slick because you can go ahead and watch both your... uh, both your uh, frequencies, your uh, downlink and your uplink, start shifting together. And uh, it seems to work pretty good, at least visually. <laughs> I haven't tried it because I don't have the radios. But uh, we do have uh, we did have a chat with, uh, with Coos earlier today, and he uses his, but he only uses it with uh, one, an FT-857. So he uses it with the one radio doing the uh, AB split, and he says it works pretty well. Uh, so at least that's, uh, the one word that I got today. I, uh, did tweet out, uh, a couple of pops on uh, Twitter there and, uh, really didn't get any feedback from anybody else. Uh, I happened to be using this with uh, rate control actively. So if you're using it with rate control actively and have some success stories or some fail stories, uh, you know, please feel free to send us some feedback and, uh, we'll share that along and, uh, see if there's anything we can, uh, we can answer or help to uh, help to get you across that barrier there. Uh, let's see. Once you got the radio control going, if you happen to have that rotator going, you can also set that up. And again, uh, when you track, you probably want to track the exact same satellite. And you would set your track once you have your satellite selected. And then you'd have your rotator selected and you click engage. And then the rotator starts clicking away. Right now, my fake rotator is now rotating to point to uh, Fox 1D, which is going to be loss of signal here in 52 seconds. I probably won't be able to work it. (laughs) (laughs) You're not going to be able to work it on your W interface? Yeah, my W interface, I don't think so. CQ, CQ. So, uh, but yeah, it's pretty pretty slick. uh, It's pretty nice. Um, And I I just dream of having that stuff right now. Uh, (laughs) 
So uh, let's let's talk about modules. So the whole modules that. Well, before okay. you before yeah. you do that, let me uh, mention that the reason that you need this stuff to adjust frequencies and everything is, you know, if you don't know this already, uh, it's because of Doppler shift. Um, literally, the frequency because because of the way radio wave propagation works, when the satellites are ascending, they actually appear at a higher frequency because of Doppler shift, and then when they're descending they appear at a lower frequency. And so that is what the rig control in G-Predict is actually doing for you. It's doing the automatic adjustment to compensate for Doppler shift. This is something you can do manually, um, like which I had to do when I was decoding ISS video transmissions. Uh, but it's a lot easier if you have G-Predict doing it for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember doing this old school and it was always fun because you just basically plant your uh, your downlink at one spot and keep making noise until you uh, <laughs> keep sending dits until you hear yourself. And then you start selling CQ and then you just move the one radio. And uh, that's how we used to work the mode A birds. So you wouldn't have to tune two radios at the same time. And I know with uh, the way the this works and the way the new rigs work and everything else, you're tuning both radios at the same time. And that's still kind of blows my mind a little bit <laughs> i do wonder about radios that don't have the ability to shift at the at the um the, the minuscule nature of the way g predict actually changes the frequency because if you're using vhf or uhf radios typically they can only tune in you know like half a kilohertz segment and this is much more fine-grained than that so I assume what happens is the radio just doesn't change frequency until it actually crosses one of the tunable thresholds. Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense to me. Uh, but I don't know that for sure because I haven't actually used it with a real radio. So the dummy the dummy radios can tune all the way down to the hertz level. Yeah, they so. can. They, they're like <laughs> high resolution. You should so buy one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you should. You should. And they're they're cheap. They're too. very cheap. Very cheap. And uh, we did have uh, mentioned a lot of people are using SDRs for their downlinks to simplify some of this because the, the SDR course is very you know wide band. It, and, you know most. You can buy a RTL SDR dongle, and I don't know if that would be the adequate tool, but <laughs> you know something uh, with a, a decent uh, receive figures and you know with the proper antenna, you can you can use that for your downlink without any issue. <coughs> Excuse me, uh, without any issue whatsoever, uh, and then just have a regular rig for your your front end for your uplink, the actual signal you're sending up to the satellite, um, and uh, what else did you want to say before you moved into modules? Is there anything else? I don't don't see anything. Was there any more questions or statements from the from the peanut from gallery? The peanut gallery? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> there, um, are you guys asking relevant questions? That's all I want to know. Okay. <laughs> no, I see. They're, they're just chit chatting about things we've already said. Oh, okay. Good, good, good. Very good. Um, yeah, uh, PE4KH put you know put a lot of information in here in the chat room and kind of went over some of the the issues he went with in using the application. And, and uh, I believe most were, were fairly minimal and uh, mostly had to do with uh, he's looking for like a few more features that aren't quite there. He like, he wants to see a pass for like a given week in a, in a certain time frame, And, and uh, I, I think you can accommodate that somewhat, uh, but you can't like see every satellite you have to do. Each satellite gets reported independently. So, and he kind of wanted to say, I want to, I want to see all the satellites in the given time range. And I don't see that as a feature. 
Uh, but uh, this is an actively developed uh, application, and I'm sure if you uh, pop an issue onto GitHub or, uh, you know, do a pull request, you might be able to get that feature added. So, uh, so there's an option for you. But let's uh, let's get get back in here to to uh, modules, so we can kind of wrap up the uh, the overview of the application. Um, so there's a there's a you can create a new. Uh, so here let's do two things. Let's do configure first. So we're in that same little drop down there that we saw our select satellite, our sky at a glance, time controller, radio control. So we're just kind of going down the screen there. We're going to do a configure. Oh, that's right. You can't do it while a rotator is active. So let me let me kill all my fake radios. Disable your dummy rotator and your fake yes, radios yeah, and all that. Turn yeah. all that stuff off. Jeez, oh, <laughs> Pete. Okay. So whew, that was painful. Did you, did, does the newer version, because I was using version 1.3.3, does, does the newer version actually, because like when you're looking at the TLE data and you're looking at a particular satellite, for example, SO50, it will tell you what frequency is uplink, what frequency is downlink, what modes are available, and so on and so forth. Yes. Um, so if you if you like select a particular bird, does it auto populate the frequency information in the radios you have? Because yes. it didn't do that in mine. Yes, yes, it does do that. As long as the okay. transponder data is up to date, and uh, you know, sometimes they change the configurations of the satellites, and it might take a, a few days for that JSON information to get updated, or maybe you forgot to update it, and you still have the old information. Um, that might be the only uh, indication, but from my experience here is it does is changes the frequencies right away. As soon as you hit track, it, you know, flips a uplink and downlink to the proper uh, settings for that particular bird and uh, that particular uh, uh, transponder uh, selection in the dropdown. So, yeah, get it. I don't, I don't know if that's a feature that's newer in the, than the version that I have, but I'm going to try it again. Cause when I, when I was doing it with SO50, and AO73. Yeah, you got to hit the track button. It did not do that for me. Yeah, no, no, I oh, did okay. that. But it did, not, it did not update the frequency for me. Yeah, so should, uh, should definitely do that. I don't know why you're running that old software anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's 2.21. Man, that was like last century. Anyway. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so when you get tired of just looking at these same satellites here, and uh, let's say you just want to reuse this this particular module because you're, you're so happy. This is the first module that you built, and it's all yours, and it's very special. Um, you can go in and hit that configure button. And inside the configuration, it gives you the simple dropdown of uh, a list of satellites that you can have and your currently selected satellites on the right-hand side. And you can search by satellite name to add some more satellites. You can change your ground station. So let's say you decide to set up, you know, oh, I normally I do some uh, some uh, portable operations over at this park. You know, you can set that park up as a ground station as well. So you can kind of have a have a couple locations or as many locations as you want, and you can set that up which location you're using per module. Uh, the satellite list they have the. Uh, uh, a filter already built into it for amateur radio, uh, but you can see other satellites. You can see the all satellite satellites. Uh, you can see the brightest CubeSats, uh, Galileo na uh, navigational satellites, the GLONASS, the GPS operational uh, Iridiums, the Iridium Next, the uh, Molninas, the uh, NOAA satellites, the Space and Earth Sciences, and the weather satellites. So if you want to look at those, you can add those. Uh, but in the amateur radio satellite list, they have... Uh, pretty much all of them. If you added that special KEPS file that I talked about, you'll even get uh, a few more that the, they don't have in the main list. So there's a, yeah, there's a huge list here. 
And uh, that reminds me to tell you that on amsat.org is the status page, and that will tell you which satellites are actually operational uh, that they're in charge of or that they manage, not necessarily in charge of, I guess, uh, but at least keep track of and and the community manages uh, the activity and the status of those satellites so that everybody else is aware, oh, this one was up, this one was down. Uh, they'll get reports from people that say, you know, oh, I, I didn't hear the telemetry beacon. Uh, so they'll put that information up. If the bird is having problems, they'll put that information up. AMSAT's a great resource. If you're going to get heavy into satellites, definitely look at, uh, you know, helping AMSAT out to maintain their site and stuff like that because they provide such a great uh, bunch of information and aggregate of, of all that information for amateur radio satellites, including, you know, which satellites have the two-way communication, you know, the transponders and the FM, uh, the FM uh, transmitter and receivers on them and which ones are doing digital and which ones are doing what. So, uh, you know, that's, that's pretty much the gold standard of finding any information on amateur radio satellites. Hey, it's called AMSAT, for, <laughs> you know? Uh, so yeah, yeah. Highly, highly recommend supporting AMSAT in any, uh, any capability you can, even if it's just helping, uh, you know, doing all the telemetry requests and the, the listening for beacons and stuff like that, uh, beacon reporting. So that would be, that would be awesome. Uh, but yeah, anyway, so in the amateur radio satellites, again, you have pretty much everything, everything that's in here, or the CubeSats are all in here, anything that's been given a name, a designation, the LILACsats, the, uh, you know, I don't know, what, what was a new one that we just talked about? Uh, uh, you said it was a Fox or something that became an AO. I don't remember what yeah, the number Fox was. Yeah, Fox 1D in here. I already have that on here. It's AO92. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, that yeah, was it. So uh, yeah, a bunch of, you know, a bunch of satellites bunch of satellites are in here so so many that you you probably have too many um so let's talk about <laughs> limits here so if you wanted to be crazy and add every satellite on here uh your system will probably crash <laughs> uh they don't recommend running more than 10 to 15 satellites per module uh doesn't mean you can't have them all in there but you know 10 or 15 per module is what they recommend having uh, being tracked in an individual module so uh, each each module, as you add a new module, so let's go ahead and uh, let's get out of that configure and let's go up to file and we're just going to do new module and we're going to give this module name, uh, I don't know, I'll just call it something LHS and it's still at my location and I'm just going to add, oh, I don't know, I'll just add a bunch of weather satellites to it because I I just want weather satellites, sure, send them all over. I'm just going to keep adding a bunch of them. Okay, there we go. So I got that. So once you add a second module, you hit OK, you add a second module, you're going to have tabs at the top there now that you can see your original module, which mine's called Amateur, and my new module is called LHS. So and I can flip between those tabs, and they're completely independent of each other, and they both have exactly the same access to everything. Now, the one thing that they won't have access to at the same time is the rig control and the rotator control. So you, if you need to use it in one or the other, you need to turn it off for the one you're in and then go turn it on for the one you want to use it for. Um, but this makes it really simple to kind of segregate the satellites. Let's say you want to have FM birds uh, just in one display and you want to have, uh, you know, the, the linear transponders in another, uh, in another tab. You can have those in a separate tab. Maybe you have those set up on a different rig and you have multiple interfaces set up for that. Um, yeah, that's that, that's a great use case for doing that. Or if you just want to keep stuff organized for certain things, I, I don't know. You know, you can make any type of uh, you know 
any type of uh, segregation of uh, satellite list you want to make here. And that's that's the whole point of having these different modules. And this also, if you want to have a separate location, you want to have that park on here, you can go ahead and have my park set up and which birds I work from the park. You know, they might only be like two or three birds that you do from the park. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's, it's great because it allows you to kind of get through all that stuff uh, and be able to organize your satellite tracking to not just like one big massive blob of satellites and overlaid, uh, you know, uh, signal zones and stuff like that or footprints, sorry, signal footprints of the satellites because that stuff can be slightly distracting. Like I just put all the weather satellites up and, of course, the whole earth is covered with uh, footprints. So, uh, so I think that's it for the actual application itself. Uh, that kind of covers the modules, that covers the rig control, that covers our TLE, our transponders, our uh, love to AMSAT, and the fact that you should be running the latest LTS and, <laughs> and at least version two of, uh, of this. Did you get your uh, rig thing to work? Yes, oh. I did. And I'm still using version 1.3.3, so, but... As far as doing like the the dummy tracking and stuff, is that what you're talking about? Oh, well, I was just whatever didn't work, like your frequency setting wasn't working. You said, "Oh, that was just it didn't auto set when I chose a satellite, but I could manually set it and then it would track just oh, fine." Okay, but it's not auto setting. It was not auto setting. That may be just something that they put in in a later version, and I will try a later version at some point. Of course, you will. <laughs> uh, yes, I will. I promise. I really will. Yeah, I mean, uh, I know there was some important stuff in these latest releases. The uh, the latest one, not too much, but I think they uh, they fixed some stuff in 2.2 going from 2.0, including they finished their migration to GTK3, so uh, it helps in the, the whole GTK space. They improved the satellite search field and the module editor. They improved the, the monitor mode for, or they added the monitor mode for the antenna controller. So if you just wanted to monitor what would be done to your controller without the controller actually running, you can have that enabled. Uh, they also fix some other stuff for compiling, which is always good when you're actually building this yourself. And they uh, fix some various crashes and stuff like that, as well as updating some satellite data. And, and uh, oh, yeah, I guess this is available for Windows, isn't it? You could probably build this in Windows. Oh, no, they have a Windows build. Nice. They, they do. Gpredict is completely cross-platform. I believe it even works on yeah. macOS. Yeah, please try Mac ports. I guess they're not building one. <laughs> so hopefully somebody's <laughs> maintaining that over there. So, yeah, this is cross-platform, and uh, I, I've pretty much only used it on Linux. Uh, I think I might have installed it once on Windows, but uh, that was probably a long time ago. And, uh, yeah, so, so yeah, there's there's Gpredict in a nutshell. Uh, the I, a Really, really yeah, deep it's, nutshell. It's a, it is a deep dive, <laughs> after all, and I'm sorry you had to listen That's to right. me for the whole thing, and I had a stumble my way through it uh i i really like it i've always i've always liked it and i've always wanted to do satellites more because i look at it but i i still have my rig sitting in a box <laughs> yeah don't we all no it's just you so let's make sure we uh, have all our shout outs here um so yeah oh i also linked in the show notes an automated pass i did i just screenshotted my box uh, just to show you uh, what it looks like, I put that on the show notes. Uh, we also listed the PE0SAT caps for the satellites close to orbit to military ones. This one added uh, the 42 satellites that I talked about. Uh, let's see. The documentation is excellent. It's very excellent. It's very detailed. It goes in way more detail than I did that I could ever even fathom to do, including some of the, the gory details of what everything actually means. Uh, the GitHub uh, is very active. Like I said, they uh, 
this particular release, I just had it up, was uh, not very long ago. 2.2.1 was January 21st, so uh, just a few months old. Uh, we have the PPA information. Again, you can easily search uh, Launchpad and, and GPredict, and you'll find it quite easily there. Uh, the AMSAT uh, status page, awesome, awesome. The AMSAT uh, two-way satellites page. This is a great place to start and look at uh, the various modes of uh, the transmission, like the digital modes, which ones are running digital, what frequencies are on, the uplinks, the downlinks, the transponders, whether they're inverted or not, meaning are you going in on LSB and coming out USB or are you going out USB coming out LSB, uh, the, the, the FM transceivers, the, uh, the repeaters, I call, um, those are listed there. So it kind of gives you a, a great a bit of information on all of the satellites and what they're actually capable of doing. And as well, uh, you can search their site and find all their kind of information, including information on satellites that have been retired and, uh, how we used to run satellites, you know, 20, 30 years ago. And, uh, just a, just a ton of information, uh, a wealth of information on the MSAT. And props to you guys for, for doing such a good job. And I see we also have a link to the SatNogs uh, documentation on their projects and uh, a link to DB SatNogs. I don't know. What, what's that for? That was posted oh. in the chat room by Don. DBSatNogs.org is uh, it's it's a, a link. link. <laughs> it's neat as well. <laughs> That's right. You should check that out. Apparently, SatNogs.org is just someplace you should go if you're doing satellite work. I'm looking up uh, uh, what it is right now as yeah. we speak. Yeah. Oh, wow. Tony said, hey. <laughs> did you see that? Yes, I did. Hi, Tony. Hi, Tony. Yeah, I don't think he's listening either. to the show right now. But. <laughs> I so want to get up at 5 o'clock uh, in the DB... morning on Sunday to listen to your show live. but uh... <laughs> Yeah, but that's not going to happen. At least not for uh, not me. normally. I have done it once or twice, but that's that's about it. DB, db.satinogs.org shows all of the amateur radio satellites uh, that are up in the sky, apparently, and all of the transponders that are associated with no, those. Tony satellites. is listening. How about that? <laughs> oh my oh, goodness, Tony awesome. is listening. Thanks. Hi, Tony. Hi. I'm I'm waving. Yes. I'm like actually waving waving physically, but it's kind of yeah, like virtually. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us. Um, yeah, I can't think of anything else unless the chat room has anything else to say about uh, G Predict. I mean, besides, it's just such an awesome piece of software. <laughs> Uh, Nate posted a link to the G predict for Sousa. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, I assume they had a uh, had that there. Hopefully, that's listed from their um, their community uh, project for uh, the amateur radio stuff. If not, we'll have to send that guy an email. Yeah, we will. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll have to get that taken care of. Can't allow that stuff to happen around here. Too, that's just too sloppy. Well, I guess it's time for announcements and uh, feedback. Well, you, if there's nothing else you have, are you actually done? Yeah, I, I think that's as far as I can go without, uh, uh, yeah, going too far. I, I don't want to, I don't really, I don't think we should go over too much more. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm not a satellite professional, so I'm not going to go over all the details and gory stuff. Uh, it's just, yeah, there's a lot of information you can learn if you want to learn it. Yes. Um, and G predicts a great application to introduce you to tracking and using it on Linux for the purposes of amateur radio or just for being a hobbyist. Um, I know I used to do a ton of visible passes with my kids just so I could say, hey, look, you know, look in about two seconds, uh, you're going to see a streak across the sky and that's a satellite or that's the ISS. Um, so, yeah, there's some there's some cool science STEM stuff that you can do with the, with the young kids to also get interested in space. 
You know, not everything is about SpaceX or Blue Origin or, you know, NASA or whatever, right? Yep. <laughs> you know, or NASA TV. You know, the kids aren't going to sit there and watch NASA TV all day. So, uh, you know, sometimes taking them outside and showing them the past or, you know, working a, working a bird. Um, you know, if they're not interested in the radio, maybe they're just interested in seeing a streak across the sky. I always think that's pretty cool. I mean, the ISS is still the, the awesomest thing to see streaking across the sky so fast and so bright. I do love watching the ISS go over. If it's a nice high pass, it's always kind of cool, especially if you can show somebody else who's never seen it before. It's like, look, there's the space station. <laughs> yeah, we've called our neighbors before and went, you know, quick, go out on your deck and look up. Yeah. So, yep, because you can be awesome that way. All right. So I think that's it. Yeah. Let's let's do the announcements and feedback. All right. We'll do the announcements and the feedback. I'll start uh, real quick with the eyeball cuso party we're gonna have we're calling it that or at least i called it that <laughs> yeah <laughs> um at least the three of us are gonna have our eyeball that's QSO right party. we're gonna have our own party and it's a public party so if you want to join us you're welcome to it will be at zydeco's five in mooresville indiana this is the restaurant that's owned by carter k9 kjn uh, out in Mooresville, which is just southwest of Indianapolis, and I figure a lot of folks will be passing through that way on their way to Hamvention. We will be there on the Wednesday before Hamvention, which is the 16th, 16th of May at around 7 o'clock p.m. So uh, we'll probably be there. We'll probably shut them down. So uh, if you want to come uh, hang out with us and have some great Cajun food, uh, please do that. And also check out episode 224 if you've not done that already, because uh, we had a nice chat with Carter. And uh, he's a great guy, has a great restaurant, has a great life and a great history. And you should go listen to it. You left out an important part. Which is what? Um, the text message he sent me the other day that said that if anybody oh, comes in. That's right. We They get a 10%. Yes, with a current license. 10% discount if you have a current amateur radio license. So there you go. Uh, so you want to be there. You want to meet us. We want to meet you. You want to have jambalaya. There yes. you go. Or something. Or Yeah, yeah, or something. Or the boudin balls or the... Uh, or fried oysters. Yummy, or yummy, fried yummy. oysters or barbecue shrimp or... And then we also have, speaking of Hamvention, our Hamvention GoFundMe campaign, which is still going on. We are 70% of the way to our goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple of weeks left. Uh, well, actually, like a little less than a couple of weeks left, but... 10 days. Yep. So if you have a few dollars, please send it away. The link is kind of everywhere. I'm going to be posting it over on Twitter and Facebook and Google Plus and pretty much everywhere else, like every day for the next 10 days. Um, we would love it if you could support us. And if not, we'll just see you out in Xenia. So there's that. All right. So we also have uh, some feedback, actually quite a bit of feedback for this uh, episode since we haven't done feedback for three episodes and like an extra week. Um, so the first one is from W7HD Ron. He sent an email which says, uh, this would be so much better if you had a printed version. Uh, I don't really like podcasts. And as the editor of Linux SIG newsletter, I would love the content. Um, there was more information about who he is and all of that. But anyway, um, I actually started looking to see if there was a site or a service or a software package that can actually take audio and transcribe it. Um, it, but there is, yes, but I couldn't find one that actually worked and was reasonable. <laughs> well, that's, that's like those three factors, right? You get like two of the three, right? <laughs> it works. 
it it's maybe reasonable. <laughs> so if anybody has an idea for maybe an open source package that will transcribe audio into, you know, text, any kind of speech or yeah, speech to text engine that we could use to maybe transcribe podcasts, that would be great. I'm I'm actually think it would be a good idea to have these um for people who can't listen to podcasts, you know, not just Ron here. Um, who wants to read them instead of listen, but for those who are hard of hearing or deaf or anything like that, it might be nice to have an actual transcript. And I am way too lazy to type all this out. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, if anybody has it's hard enough just to do the show notes, yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. So, uh, if anybody has any ideas on that, please, uh, send them this way. So, all right. Very good. And thanks for the feedback, Ron. We'll, uh, do what we can. Uh, so Cheryl, since you haven't really done a whole lot this, uh, episode we're going to let you read a couple of these uh, bits of feedback and you can start with this one um do this one you can do the other one well you can do this one and then you're going to do the one from ed i'll do the next one okay you can do the next one <laughs> okay so so our next bit of feedback is email from jeff ka1dbe he says russ i just finished the deep dive usb episode yes i'm a little behind i just want to say thanks for explaining how to set up devices with udev USB devices have been a mystery for me, and I know I now have a better understanding of how they work, not to mention a slash dev slash winky and slash dev FT817. Keep up the good work. Your podcast is a good resource. 73 Jeff K1DBE PS. My Debian search system didn't like having the vendor and product IDs in UDEV, just the serial numbers. And I will say about that, that you don't have to have all of the bits of data. You only have to have enough bits of data to make the device unique. And that's all that UDEV cares about. As long as it can identify the device, um, you don't have to have all the bits of data we suggested. So there you go. And thanks, Jeff, KA1DBE, for that feedback. We appreciate it. And we're glad we're uh, actually a valuable resource because we're just kind of screwing around out here. So (laughs) we have absolutely no idea what we're doing (laughs) And that brings me to our next feedback <laughs> uh, from a comment uh, from episode 223 uh, from Jason Johnston, W3 Alpha Alpha X-Ray. Uh, we were talking about the uh, parks on the air and summits on the air. And I had made a, a, a remark about uh, how the program was inspired by a KX9X uh, from the AWRL. Uh, but I failed to get into the deeper information of who the people responsible for uh, POTA, parks on the air, were. And uh, we'd like to go ahead and recognize those people now, thanks to Jason's uh, comment. Uh, the POTA administrator is uh, Jason Johnston, W3AAX. The POTA director and advisor, Rick Parent, W0ZAP. Uh, the database and web admin, Mike Case, W8MSC. The database and web admin, Vance Martin, N3VEM. And I think you can find him over in the Pound Pound Ham radio channel all the time. Uh, Server and security admin, Thomas Martin, W8TAM. Storefront admin and public relations, Julie Martin, K8VAOX. And we have a bunch of coordinators here for Region 0 is Jim Shortney, NU0C. Region 1, Rory McEwen, KB1PLY. Region 2 is open, 3 is open, 4, Bill DeLock, K4WP. 5 is Jared Donnell, KG5LKU. Six is Todd Shelton, N6XDX. Seven, uh, area seven is John Callanen, uh, W7JKC. Area eight, Mike Lewis, W8ZST. And area nine is George Berger, W0PH. 
Oh, that can't be even a right call sign. That's too many letters. <laughs> uh, that's just, I copied and pasted. So I don't know if that's supposed to be okay. right or not, but. So, uh, possibly W0PHXW, uh, which wouldn't be a valid call sign in the U.S. But anyway, uh, thank you to all of you guys for your very hard work in putting together the Parks on the Air program. It's, uh, it's, it's just as exciting as uh, National Parks on the Air, and it continues the spirit of the program and uh, gets people active in amateur radio and getting them outdoors and getting them out to our, our natural resources, our parks, our state parks, and our national parks. So thank you very much, Jason, for giving us that feedback. We really appreciate it. The call sign for George Berger is W0PHX. Okay, it's a stray W there, so there we go. <laughs> stray W. All right, so Cheryl, you can go ahead and read this feedback on episode 223 about our Echo Link episode. Okay. Well, as I, it was actually a different episode, but anyway, yeah, go ahead, read it. Okay, <laughs> comment on episode 223 from Ed, K-E-8-A-N-U. You can run EchoLink on IRLP, get IRLP working first, then install Echo IRLP on it. That will give you the ability to make IRLP or EchoLink connections. You won't be able to connect to both IRLP and EchoLink at the same time. Also, if you're wanting to use IRLP in a portable operation, it does require port forwarding in order to work. All Star Link will allow outgoing connections, but not incoming connections without any port forwarding. 73ED KE8ANU. And All there's right. some additional info that will be in the show notes. That's right. And that link is about the Echo IRLP project. And this was in response to our deep dive into Echo Link and my announcement of a project where I'm actually building an IRLP node, which I have not started yet. We'll get to that. that that'll be all on YouTube. So make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel if you have not done so, because there's some good content out there. And there will be more. There will be more. All right. We also have uh, this comment from Paul, KE5WMA, who says, I enjoyed the interview with K9KJN since I grew up in Baton Rouge and have lived in the New Orleans area for 30 years. It's New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans. Lived in New Orleans for, uh, yep. That sounds like you're from Boston. Yeah, well, it, it kind well, of does, yeah. As a, as a matter of fact. Oh, oh, that explains know. everything. How about that? So uh, thanks, Paul, K5WMA, for that. And uh, Paul is one of our very regular commenters, listeners, and uh, donors, sponsors, whatever you want to say. So thanks, Paul, for the feedback and for everything you do for the show. We really appreciate it. And uh, Cheryl, since this one's kind of about you, I guess you can wrap this one up. All righty, then. Yeah, so I received a private comment uh, from Kevin Murray, K2FN, regarding episode 224. He said, I haven't been listening to the podcast since you guys came back. It's more work reasons than anything. But just last night, I listened to the most recent podcast with Carter, K9KJN. Sounds like a neat place, and I could tell that you're really looking forward to eating there on the way to Hamvention. Cheryl, get busy. You have a lot of studying to do in the next 13 days. Yeah, so if uh, anyone isn't aware, Kevin Murray, K9, or K2FN, sorry, don't mean to butcher call signs here. Uh, is the one who administered the Laurel VEC uh, test last year that got Cheryl her technician license. And he's really looking forward to um, trying to stump her on the general, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) So, yeah, apparently his daughter is going to be one of my testers. All right, very good. So you better pass. Well, she she was one of my testers last year, too. So There you go. 
All right, so we are down to the end of the deep dive on G Predict. We're down to the end of the announcements and feedback. That means we're down to the end of the show. We do want to acknowledge the folks who were in the chat room tonight, and those folks were Gene, BX8AAD, who apparently is on a plane right now headed for the United States. And he will see us in date. And he will be in Xenia this year at the Hamvention. So if you want to meet Gene, one of our fantastic listeners, like you all are, uh, check it out. Uh, we also had Eric KN4IIY, Don KB2YSI, Don KC9ZMY, Paul K5WMA, Ted WA0EIR, and Tony from the Sunday Morning Linux Review, who doesn't have a call sign, but he is a Linux enthusiast and who records way too early on Sunday mornings. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least for my time zone. He's usually recording about the time we roll into bed. Yeah, so. pretty much. Yeah, that's that's a Sunday morning for us is about the time they get up and start recording. So, but we want to thank everybody who is in the chat room tonight, who is listening to us live and everybody who subscribes to the show, listens to the show, donates to the show and and all of that and we hope to see really everyone out in ohio in the next couple of weeks so with that i think we're going to kind of wrap this thing up so this has been episode number 225 our satellite deep dive and i'm russ k5tux i'm cheryl w5moo and i'm bill ne4rd73 thank you for listening to this episode of linux in the ham shack LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the program by visiting the LHS Patreon page of patreon.com stroke lhspodcast or using the contribute link on the website. Get in touch via social media. The show has a presence on Google+, Facebook, Twitter, Discord and YouTube. Or you can drop an email to info at lhspodcast.info or record a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the IRC channel, LHS Podcast, on the Freenode IRC network. Also visit the online merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable LHS merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a Linux convention or ham fest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info or visit the website for details. The podcast is recorded live every Monday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Connect to the stream at stream.blacksparrowmedia.net colon 8008 stroke LHS live. Until next time, over and out.
Linux in the Ham Shack in the Linux in the Ham Shack logo are released under a Creative Commons Attribute Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License.